evening and welcome to tonight's broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. It is a Tuesday night, March the 10th, 2020. Um, so we've been told, <laughs> uh, shout out to those who tuned in uh, to the broadcast last night. I made a mistake and thought that I had Dave of Tando Radio Show uh, scheduled for last night, and it was actually for tonight, but that's no problem. Um, we have more updates to give on Corvid 19. So, my first guest during the first hour will, of course, be Dave of Tando Radio Show, and we're going to talk about the continued spread of Corvid 19. And since yesterday, uh, when I did the broadcast, there was something like a little over 500 cases confirmed cases by the CDC of COVID-19, it's almost at 600 cases. That's 100 more than what was reported yesterday. And we're only talking about what they have been able to confirm. A lot of people are not getting tested, and I suspect a lot of people won't be tested. So this is something to um, take very, very very serious. I don't think nothing like this has happened during my lifetime. I was born in 1966. I did get the chicken pox as a kid, um, but I, I just cannot recall anything like this in my lifetime to be concerned about. Of course, I wasn't alive during the 1918 Spanish flu, which killed 50 million people worldwide. So um, we, we'll see. We'll see what this turns out to be. So uh, Dave definitely is here uh, with us to talk about that. And during the second hour, we're going to speak to journalist John Jeter about the Democratic primaries and how is it that Joe Biden is so popular with black voters, black boomers to be specific, as Sanders continues to capture the black youth vote. What happened in South Carolina? What happened on Super Tuesday where black voters only made up 14% of the vote? Um, we're looking at South Carolina because they represented 60% of the electorate. That doesn't mean they all turned out. But what happened and what will happen today? We got Michigan and Washington with the biggest delegate hall. Um, they're already reporting long lines. Um, and and from if the information I have is correct, the state parties, the uh, Republicans, if you're in a red state with a, a Republican governor, they're not running the primaries. This is all the Democratic Party, the DNC. And we saw those long lines in Texas. We saw them long lines in California and all kind of problems in L.A. County uh, with the voting machines. And now we're hearing about problems in Michigan before they even got started. They were talking about problems in Michigan. I saw people standing out there in freezing weather. I think it was in Idaho where them people were standing out in the cold in long lines. I mean, and, and, and the story is the same in a number of these states, like in Texas, right before the primaries, they announced, oh, we're just going to close hundreds of polling sites. And from what I was reading today, uh, in one particular city of 150,000, they closed them down, and they only got one poll in sight. What is it about Democrats suppressing the vote? You know, they they the Democratic Party kicked off 
Uh, how many was it? Um, I can't recall right now the exact number. Man, I used to have it memorized. But all of, all of the voters in, I think it was Brooklyn or it might have been Harlem, 200,000. Yeah, they kicked off 200,000 people off the uh, primary rolls in 2016 in New York. The Democratic Party did and then was not punished afterwards. And then we wonder why some people get cynical and don't want to vote. Well, here we go. It's the same old, same old every all the time so we'll definitely be talking about talking to john jeter about that because john doesn't even trust the vote tallies and he has some good reasons not to so he'll be joining us at the top of the hour all right before we bring on dave let me give um the cdc coronavirus or they're calling it corona disease 2019 or covid19 they update it every day at 4 o'clock, the numbers close out at 4 o'clock p.m. Um, the day before reporting. So it says the CDC is responding to an outbreak of respiratory illness caused by a novel coronavirus, meaning a new coronavirus virus. The outbreak first started in Wuhan, China, but cases have been identified in a growing number of other locations internationally, including the United States. Um COVID-19, U.S. at a glance. So like I said, yesterday was 500 or so cases. Today, total cases reported, 647. Total deaths, if I remember correctly, it might have been 10 or 11 yesterday. Today, they're reporting 25 uh, deaths. Uh, let me see. Travel-related, 83 cases. Person-to-person spread, 36 cases. Under investigation, 528 cases, the majority, which means that they don't know how it's spreading uh, in those 520 cases. They don't know how those people contracted um, that virus. So um, I tell you, Italy looks like they about to put the whole country under, uh, um, what do we call it here, um, Oh, man, I, I'm getting a brain fart here. Let me go ahead and, and, and bring Dave in. Um, but they're about to put the whole country under quarantine. Uh, last night I was talking about the north and the south, and so now it looks like it's going to be the entire country of Italy. And uh, a person landed in Charlotte, North Carolina, at the airport today, and he had corona, came from Italy. I'm like, how did they even let him out of Italy, you know? So, uh, Dave, it's very dire out here, man. Um, I do encourage callers, if, if y'all have any questions or comments for us, give us a call at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056, and hit the star key twice. Dave, I, I know you've been keeping an eye on this, man. So, you know, what's your initial uh, statement of what we're dealing with thus far? Well, yes, Scotty, um, definitely have been. And just once again, good to be back on um, the this, this station of my home here at Black Talk Radio Network. And so, Scotty, you know, let me just, uh, from, from my data, and, and let me just take a look at, I, I get the, the data and the reporting um, from a couple of places. I get it from uh, worldmedia.com, uh, and it, it, excuse me, World Media Info. And it uh, has the coronavirus 
from there. And this is their their totals. The coronavirus total coronavirus uh, in the um, in the world is 118,472 uh, uh, deaths. Uh, 65,000 have recovered. And one of the things about the recovery is that they say the recovery takes in some places. I've, I've been hearing that it takes six weeks and you can get it again. So right after you get it, you can you can actually so you're not really re- recovered. So you're so not building up uh, an Im- immunity like if you were to no. you know contract other type of viruses. Like I don't know about chicken pox or anything, but I do know that there are some diseases once you once you can't have them once, then it, it's less likely you'll ever catch it again. I also heard Dave that the incubation period is almost a month before you may start yes. showing symptoms. And I'm like, that's crazy. Yes. So that means that you're asymptomatic, and during that incubation period, you can actually spread the virus during that time without any symptoms of you having it. And you, you know, so you don't know. And this is why this, this daggone virus is, is so, so tricky and, and such a, a great, grave danger. And as Scotty said, in his whole lifetime, he's never seen anything like this, nor have I. Um, and I don't think that this is, and remember, this thing has only been going around, I mean, been actually acknowledged since late December. So all of the other viruses have not tracked the way that this one has in its overall um, exposure going from epidemics to pandemics is definitely a pandemic, um, you know, by, by now. So it's, it's really, 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 and this is the numbers. Let me give you the numbers that John Hopkins um, hospital is putting out. Okay. And you can check this out uh, from their, from their website that tracks it all. Like I said, it was 118,582 total uh, confirmed cases. Mainland China has 80,000 plus Italy has 10,000. And we're going to come back to Italy. What? Iran has 8,000. Yes. Italy has 10,000. Iran has 8,000. The Republic of China, of Korea has, and that's South Korea, has 7,500. France has 1,700. Uh, Spain has 1,700, uh, 1,695, 1,695. Germany has uh, 1,400 and a half. And the United States has 959 confirmed cases. Now, that's different the from the CDC, so what do you think the discrepancy is? The, the discrepancy, I don't know, Scotty, and it's like you said. Remember, I'm, I'm not really, you know, going by the CDC because the CDC has, has not been really uh, proactive in, 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 in preparing for this. That is the CDC's actual job. It's the Center for Disease Control, and they've never had a handle on this thing. Like they've been, like they're brand new. They've never trained for anything like this. But I understand that the, the virus itself, since it being a novel virus, right. that they may have not been prepared for that. But China gave you the heads up long before, and you knew it was a highly contagious disease, so you should have had things in place much, much better. And they just dropped the ball in a lot of, lot of areas where they released people that they, it, it was by, by mistake. They said, oh, we, they were tested positive, and we let them go. There's just some very, very elementary mistakes that shouldn't have been made because it didn't catch you off guard like it, you know, like it did China. So, um, 
So that's the, their numbers, and it is in over 108 countries. That's a pandemic. That's absolutely a pandemic. Especially uh, with those death. numbers you're citing from John Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah. And the number of deaths in the United States confirmed uh, is 30 total deaths for today. Now, and they have um, 9, I mean, 975 uh, total cases. Just today there was a, num- uh, a plus of 271 cases. So let me just. Let me just break this down. All of these numbers, I think, are are are, are under going to be underreported right. for a lot of different reasons. There's right. a vested interest in all of these countries to have an underreporting. Uh, I think some of the best reporting that's coming out may be coming out of South Korea, and they seem to be doing a a really good job. But uh, it's I have real problems with a couple of countries. You know, Iran uh, being one because. They, they don't even have anyone in their serious critical. The number of people that they have under serious critical category is zero. And there's no way in the world with, with the overall outbreak that they're having there uh, for, for the uh, epidemic that they're having for, for that to be even remotely possible with 291 deaths and 54 well, new deaths uh, just also, also something that just came to my mind um, – you know, one of, I think it was like the number two guy to the Ayatollah. Um, do they still call him the Ayatollah? I'm not sure. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, seeing the number two guy, one of his advisors, uh, um, you know, was a fatality from coronavirus. But I was just sitting here thinking about Iran and the U.S. sanctions when they can't hardly even get you know, uh, regular medicines and medical supplies and stuff. And so, you know, with this being a worldwide pandemic, has the United States suspended sanctions or lifted sanctions on, I mean, many countries they got sanctions on, you know, including Venezuela, Cuba, and what have you. Um, So um, just something that I thought about that I haven't seen, you know, any questions being asked in the media about. Yeah, you're right. And 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 what I did know is I know that the number two person, like at the, at, at the equivalent to Iranian CDC, the number two person has actually contracted the coronavirus. And he was actually uh, given an on-camera interview when he almost darn near fainted. Um, and then the ambassador to the Vatican, she died um, a week and a half ago uh, from coronavirus. And, and some are speculating that she possibly gave it to the Pope himself who actually canceled mass, um, I believe, uh, last Sunday. I'm not, you know, it's... it's yeah, I, I it hasn't do remember seeing that, that they were going to cancel that. Yeah, hasn't been confirmed. I mean, you know, the Pope has a big problem uh, because he only has one lung. Um, so he, he would be highly susceptible to something like this. So, uh, but that's, you know, I, that hasn't been confirmed. They're not admitting any of that, but, uh, you know, it's... it's and, and with Iran, they, it's it's actually running through some of its um, high high echelon uh, dignitaries in their country. Um, and they're not the only one. It's actually uh, probably in a couple. I know Germany is having some problems with it, uh, and maybe Portugal um, and, and a couple of other countries uh, itself. And, and there, there were actually rumors that maybe even the president of Iran may have it as well. That was all speculation. Um, who knows? But that really... 
doesn't really matter. Uh, what really matters is what we're going to do and how we're going to be prepared for it. And that's what we want to talk about today with you all. So one of the um, things, though, Dave, I had read exactly. an article about Iran was releasing 52,000 prisoners. And I was prisoners. like, wait a yes. minute, 52,000? That's all? That's all they got? You know, we live yep. in a country with with two and a half million at any given time who is behind bars. But it got me to thinking about our prison population being very vulnerable. You know, hepatitis C is highly communicable and it's running yep. rampant through the prison uh, population. I became aware of that because of Mumia Abu-Jabal's fight to get uh, access to the medication that cures Hep C. And he finally did win through the courts, but it's a huge problem. And so coronavirus, they're not about to let anybody out or anything like that. And the prisoners themselves have been expressing concern. Yeah, very, very true. And and, uh, the U.K., um, their health minister, the the, the uh, uh, England's um, health minister, has tested positive for the uh, novel coronavirus. So um, it's it's one of those things that's affecting uh, a lot of people. So now, let's, now let's but really, Dave, Dave, yeah, before you get ahead of yourself, because I, I, I should have had you on last night, but I got you no, on. I got you on now, though. Because, you know, big part of Tando's show was looking at the markets and, you know, the global yeah. financials and whatnot. And so it's been coronavirus has been wreaking havoc on, you know, the markets, not just here in the yeah. United States, but these exchanges in different countries like Australia. I saw a video last night of their stock market taking a big hit and what have you. Um, but the only silver lining that I saw out of reporting is that gas prices are low. I saw gas for two dollars and fifteen cent in gas in Gastonia after I had picked up my daughter from work, and they're saying there's an oil war going on. Um, depending upon who you listen to, um, you know, as to who they'll assign blame to, but they're saying that the Saudis and the Russians couldn't uh, or OPEC. Couldn't come to an mm-hmm. agreement with the Russians on output, so the Saudis said, oh, we just going to flood the market. And and then I saw another report where it's also hurting um, U.S. shale companies, you know, oil from shale and what have you. And I heard Donald Trump talking about doing something to help the industries, you know, cause the coronavirus, yeah. it, man, it's, it's crazy out there. But I was telling people last night, now is the time to fill up your, your gas cans. You might want to even buy some extra gas cans. Now is the time to buy your dry goods and what have you, if you haven't already. Oh, it's, it, it's bad day, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, and let you, um, you know, no, continue no, 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 Scott, the rest you got to do way. this together because you, you know, you've been with me, um, since our inception uh, on on Tando Radio Show, and, and it's critical that 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 you you know you chime in because this is this is what we do. And you talked about the stock market. And Scotty, if you remember when we first did our first coronavirus um, warning and um, bulletin uh, show with with here on Black Talk Radio Network, I said the thing about this virus is that regardless of what you think about the virus. If the virus doesn't spread into a pandemic, which I believe back then it was going to, it, it was no way that it wasn't the way that it was spreading through China, 
And what happened with the containment in China, they were unable to contain it. And so it was only natural that it was going to get out around the world and spread um, this, it, it, with it being such a highly infectious, infectious disease. And I said that the thing that's really going to, to, to be challenging is going to be the economic turmoil or the economic destruction that this overall virus is going to bring. And this is why yesterday um, the, the, had the, the, the largest historical drop um, in, the, uh, in the market. And today um, it, it tried to recover and it really didn't. And any, any recovering people are selling out a position. Um, I, I call it a pump and dump uh, situation. And then, then on Sunday uh, the OPEC meeting uh, was really Saturday uh, the OPEC meeting where, where Saudi Arabia, which is a proxy of the United States, tried to put the screws to, to Russia, Russia held firm, and uh, it caused the overall uh, oil market to, to collapse and the bond market collapsed, and, and all of this collapse is going to – this is just the start. This is like a, 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 a small, small sell-off compared to what I think is going to be happening going forward because it's not going to get better. It's only progressively. We're just two months into this, and this is just the beginning. And so the markets itself, the global economy is going to uh, be completely paralyzed by this overall, in my opinion, by this, this, by this virus because there is no market solution to this virus. This virus uh, is an opportunist and, and is on a bull run through humanity right now, and it cares not about your overall uh, economic standing. Um, it, it's just an opportunist virus that is looking for a host to, 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 to attach to and to replicate, and that's what it's doing very, very effectively um, right now as being reported. So the markets are going to continue to, to crash, and I want to talk about what we need to be doing, which you all – uh, should be doing, in my opinion. But before I do that, let me give you just some numbers that I think are very, very significant. Yesterday, uh, Italy, in the past couple of days, they put a, a quarantine. Last week, they put a quarantine over northern Italy, the Lombardy area, which encompasses uh, Milan, Venice, and some of its major uh, cities. And then yesterday, the prime minister of Italy had uh, decided to make the whole country of Italy, quarantine the whole country of Italy. And, Scotty, I'll send you the video of the Italian military being deployed to the streets to enforce martial that overall law. Martial uh, law. quarantine. Martial law was the word yes. or the term I was looking for earlier and couldn't find my words. But, you know, that's how I, I described it. Martial law is in effect. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's the uh, probably the the, the – the most draconious form of martial law, that being by way of a medical emergency or under a martial law of quarantine because of an outbreak of any form of medical emergency, because the overall powers of the government are exacerbated during the, under that uh, type of quarantine. Here in the United States, if you have a martial law that's based, that's, that's um, set forth by the uh, human Human Health Services, HHS, that martial law has more power than just a military martial law 
because of a riot or because of an economic collapse or, or uh, unforeseen uh, event. That martial law is completely uh, has the, the most power and is the most deadly uh, as far as uh, authority against the citizenry of any form of martial law. I would say even wartime martial law does not com- uh, does not compete with uh, HHS uh, martial law or quarantine in the United States. When so you say HHS, Italy- you're talking about health and human services, right? Yes, health and human service, yes. Um, so yesterday Italy put its whole country, and just think about this, under quarantine. Just think about it. Last week, I believe Italy only had about 227, and just in that one week, now they went to the point of where they have over 10,000, and they had to put the rest of the country under quarantine. Here's the, 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 the thing that matters with this uh, novel coronavirus, or COVID-19, uh, or whatever it is that you want to call it. So here's what is damaging. Once a region or a community has 200, because of the R naught, and the R naught is how many people an affected person can affect, can, can infect, because of the high R naught uh, number, and some say that number is somewhere be- between four and six, um, I don't know, it could even be higher. For, but for, for, the, layman, that, for the layman, you're talking about the trans. Um, how well the uh, virus transmits from one person to another, right? Yeah, how, how, how one sick individual, how many a sick individual will, will infect, the average of people that they would infect. Um, and so the R0 for the common flu is about 1.2 at the high. And that's in, in the United States, I believe some over 400,000 people die a year of that. Now, this R not is anywhere between four, and I heard numbers as high as eight. So that means one person with the overall, that, that has the overall virus, is going to affect, uh, to infect eight other people or four other people that are going to get the virus from them. And then they're going to do the same, it's going to replicate. And when you talk about that at an at a R not of four, After 20 cycles, every person in in the world is now infected with this overall virus. Here's the numbers that's very telling and and why we all need to be really paying attention and getting ready for this, even though it may not be admitted to being in your city. It will be, and it will do, and it will continue to spread. Containment in the United States, in my opinion, has already been broken. Here's why. At 250, once a region or community gets or, or a state gets 250 people, now it's uncontrollable. It's uncontainable. It's only going to continue to spread because now that overall 250 people have an R not a four or, or six or eight, whatever the true R not is. So once you have that, they've already lost containment. Once a, once it's above, 2,500 people in a country, the overall impact of those that are infected, the, the, the medical system in any country cannot, cannot treat or respond to that. 
So once you get past 25 or, or, or 25 to 3,500 people, no matter how well your medical system is, is, it is going to be overrun by the overall. It now it is completely an, an epidemic that is going to, to, to exhaust your overall medical response. So that's where you get quickly to where you start to get into quarantine measures. And remember, the United States hasn't been testing, you know, for this for a while. They're just starting to get test kits out. So that means that this overall virus and disease has probably been in here in the country for over a month, and it's, and it's some people don't know they have it because, like Scotty said, it has an incubation period of a while, and then you're just starting to get the first full wave has not even hit. Yeah, 27 days yet. is, is what building. they said. What what I heard last night, 27 days, so you might as well say one month. Uh, where people may not right. even be showing the symptoms. And see, that's what's really frightening to me, Dave, is because probably, and I'm speculating, but I suspect that the people are being tested are those who, who trap may have traveled to other areas outside the country or within the country uh, where this is, has, um, you know, um, experienced over 25 cases like you were talking about. But here, I'm thinking nobody's really going to get tested until they start showing symptoms, man. You know? Yeah, right. And But right, the whole time, they're spreading it. They're spreading. Right. So now, let's get to the United States. Let's, well, before we do that, let's look at this. Right now, as I'm looking at the, the numbers from around the world, China now is they're saying that they only have seven new cases. China could be going through, in a medical term, a U meaning you go up and you come down and you're going to go back up. Their second wave may just be starting to build. Nowhere near out of the woods. Then Italy is now under quarantine. I expect that in this, there are cities inside of Iran that are already under quarantine. I expect pretty soon that the, that the Iranian government will put the whole country under uh, quarantine. South Korea will put their whole country under quarantine. France and Spain. And then Germany. Now, let's look at that. Those, if you just look at that, you're talking about the top economies in the world, and they're going to be shut down. What is that going to do to the global output, of, of the, the, the global output for GDP and for overall economic indicators? It's going to crash it. The global economy is gone. And I would suggest all of you take the advantage of the time that you have to prepare for that because after the virus is gone, the real problem of the economy being crashed is going to be the next disaster that sweeps across, is going to be the next pandemic, global pandemic. And that's the economic collapse of the global economy. So the, from there, the United States at 975, the United States in itself will go under quarantine, martial law, probably relatively quickly within weeks. Reason being, and there's already areas in, in the United States that's going to go under quarantine, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if you have Washington State declare a statewide quarantine relatively soon, and then following them right after that is going to be uh, the state of New York, New Jersey, and Washington, then the city D. of New York. Washington, D.C. probably as well. Yep, Washington, D.C. 
and then this is where it's going to spread across the United States. Now, Dave, over half of the states in the United States have the overall virus and is going to oh, is going to overrun and exhaust completely the overall medical capability of this country. Now, Dave, when we first when you first contacted me about a week or so ago, probably closer to two weeks <laughs> now since we did yeah. that first update, we were looking at the global map, and it had not touched Africa. It had not touched South America. And I'm looking right. at the map as of 12 o'clock today, and it's in, there is no place untouched. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Scotty, and it's so true. In and remember, Africa, let, let me just list a couple of cases with confirmed. Yeah. So we're just talking about confirmed cases. So like Dave was saying, it's probably more than that. These are just what they've been able to, to confirm. But in Africa, you have cases, confirmed cases in Algeria, Cameroon, Nigeria, Senegal, South Africa, and, and Togo. Uh, in the Americas, Argentina. What's that? Burkina Faso as well. In the Americas, you got Argentina, Brazil, Canada, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, Ecuador, French uh, uh, Guinea, Guadalupe, Martinique, Mexico, Panama, Paraguay, Peru, and the United States. Eastern Mediterranean, Afghanistan, Bahrain, Egypt, Iran, Iraq, Jordan, Kuwait, Lebanon, Morocco, Oman, Pakistan, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Tunisia, and the UAE, and Europe, Albania, Andorra, Armenia, Australia, Azerbaijan, Belarus, Belgium, Bosnia, and Herzegovina, uh, Bulgaria, Croatia, Cyprus, uh, Czechia, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, France, Georgia, Germany, Gibraltar, Greece, Vatican City, as you was talking about the Pope earlier, Hungary, Iceland, Ireland, Israel, Italy, Latvia, uh, Liechtenstein, uh, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Malta, Moldova. Man, I, I, I'll be going on for another about 10 minutes. Yeah. Let's just put it this way. Let's just say the countries that don't have it, Antarctica. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's the only continent that doesn't Antarctica, have Antarctica, huh? That, that's it. That's that's the only place that doesn't have it. So, what are we what are we talking about here? We are definitely in a global pandemic that is that is that is beyond human history. It is probably the the, the most dangerous virus in human history that is from recorded history as of now. Dave, you, do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible? It could, I mean, anything's possible, but Dave, I'm just hoping and hoping and praying that this doesn't have the casualties that the 1918 Spanish flu had because 50 million people is a lot of people. But I was reading yeah. last night, this one expert Health uh, health expert was saying, I can't recall his name right now, or, or, or he used to work for the CDC, but he said it's likely that everyone will know someone who succumbs to this disease. That's how prevalent it yeah. is in his words. Yeah, I, I will put it this way, Scotty. I'm optimistic that it. I'm optimistic that it will not have the same casualty rate of the Spanish flu. It will exceed it. I'm almost positive that it will exceed wow. the Spanish flu. 
by multiples. Man. By multiples. Because what this is, is showing, displaying, is that, and not only that, it's going to come back after it slows down. It's going to come back. Now, is that is that cause for all loss? No. It just it, it means that you're really going to have to start to do some things right now. The world as we've known it before is gone. It's gone. So let's talk about preparing. Does it matter where you are in the United States? If you have an area of people that get it or don't get it, it's still going to adversely affect you in a big way. And until travel is, is stopped around the country, the overall spread of the disease is going to affect and, and inflict its overall contagious wrath throughout all communities. Mm-hmm. Some communities are going to do better than others. There's a lot of variables. Then there's also the mutations of this daggone virus. How is it going to mutate? All of these things, and there's, there's different strands of it already. What, is, what does that mean? So we're going to have to contend with all of that. But what does that mean? I'm starting to see over the past week and a half, I'm starting to see what I, what I was always trying to get our Tando radio show and Black Talk radio listeners to, to get in front of, and that is a Black Friday-type mob fighting for resources that is not just a present for little Johnny or, or, or Jane, where it's essential for them to have it. If you've seen what's been going on in Los Angeles and New York, New York City, you have to get prepared and get prepared for this. Some of the things that I think that you need to be getting prepared for. I will say this. The health officials, the first thing that they always say is hand sanitizer. Let me just say this. To me, that's the least of all worries, some daggone hand sanitizer. If they were sincere, but they don't want because they have a vested interest because they don't want you consuming the things that they are going to consume in order to make sure that they survive. You would be getting the, the, the table of preparedness, food, water, shelter, energy, and protection. The table of preparedness. Because the quarantine has already started in multiple places on, on both coasts of the United States. Why is it on both coasts? Because of air travel in the United States. It's easier to get the communities infected now. Mm-hmm. Because of how... Uh, uh, how communable the whole world is now. So it's everywhere. That's it's going to be was everywhere. Earlier, Dave, like, you know, I woke up this morning. I was just talking yesterday about, you know, my niece, who's an airline steward, stewardess for American Airlines. And, and I was like, she's going to have to stay away from my mother because, you know, it's right. been taking, it, it's, um, been taking a huge toll on the elderly people. And then, yeah. you know, we had Rona call in last night and she was saying she read that, you know, it, people that's on blood pressure medicine and, you know, which is typically elderly people or people that have problems with diabetes and saying that they're susceptible. But I wasn't joking, man. And and I'm going to have yeah. to call my niece and I'm going to be like, you need to stay away from my mama until this thing, yeah. you know, runs its yeah, toll. Yeah, they need to stay away from everything because she's in, in, in a highly, uh, con- uh, uh, she's in a high propensity uh, career for this virus transmission to where she has it. So, yeah, definitely. And I want to say this right now, who is attacking right now and who is not attacking is not, it doesn't seem to be 
they're saying that it doesn't seem to be attacking young people, which is good. But see, that may be just just this this overall stage. The next mutation of it may attack them even more. That's something to consider. I hadn't considered that. It it will mutate, and that mutation is going to change to where the the virus is going to have to get smarter in order to have a host for it to survive. So now the young are not being affected. So now it will mutate so that it can attach to the young. And the thing about this is that once you get it, you can get it again so you don't get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You're not immune. You're not building an immunity to it. So a lot of different variables. But let's get into, real quickly, getting prepared. Whatever you're doing today, you need to stop what you're doing and go get at least three months' worth of provisions for your home to be able to sustain a quarantine to where you need to stay in your home. If you don't do that, you, and this is what's so bad. This is going to be, in the city of Wuhan, I felt very sorry for those people because it just sprung on them and quickly the, the city was put under quarantine. They didn't even know. But we have had the overall luxury to see and to learn from what was happening there, and we're not paying attention to it. So when it happens here, it's going to be far, far worse. And I will tell you this, people are going to grab the, I'm seeing stores that have no hand sanitizer, which is is, is okay, but people are getting all of the wrong things. You can't eat hand sanitizer. This overall disease, from what I'm learning from it, is very survivable if you're able to treat it. But if if the overall the, the the necessary medication or the ne- necessary uh, 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 element and the medical attention that's needed if it's exhausted to where it's not there then the then the overall disease will grow and strengthen in your body and replicate and it will take over until it kills the host. I like what you said about not being able to eat hand sanitizer um, because from what I've been reading. They don't say specifically to get hand sanitizer. They say just wash your hands 30 minutes. So I, I would imagine any kind of soap would do. And, 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 and here's the thing, Scotty, about that. This is a virus. If your hand sanitizer is antibacterial, you're setting yourself up for failure. Here's why. Because antibacterial weakens your immune system. It doesn't strengthen it. And then a virus is not a bacteria. It won't kill it. You need something that's antiviral. You're dealing with a virus. So I'm seeing what they're saying, and it's not adding up to them really caring about the overall. They're not giving useful information to people. You better take it upon yourself to be self-sufficient and sovereign enough to think on your own. If you if you have un this is very critical. If you have undue fear, you're dumb. You're dumb. And what do I mean by that? Deductive reasoning tells you that there's much more to this than what's being said. 
You need to find. You need to follow your prime, your primary instincts and to prepare your family. I'm talking to fathers. Fathers, regardless of what's going on in your house, you do what's necessary, not because you want to, because you have to save the family. Mothers, you have to save your family. You have to get in front of this before you will be behind, be behind this, and this is overtaking communities. In a, in a very disastrous way. The people of Wuhan didn't have the opportunity really to prepare. It was like a whirlwind when it happened to them. But you've, we've had a long time to see what's coming and to prepare for it. Well, Dave, I, I'm a wander in the conspiracy theory here, but not because there's uh, it's un, my, my fears are unfounded, but I, I believe some of these failures could be on purpose, man, for, depop- well, without a doubt. for without depopulation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, without, like, I was without, saying without like I was saying the last time, you know, the, if it affects the elderly the most, man, hey, that's less Social Security benefit checks they got to send out, you know? So um, yeah. I, I tell you, man, we've seen it and all throughout human history. Law. What's that? Your community wisdom is being lost. Wow. When when you attack the elderly, what are you what are you losing? Years of wisdom through experience. And that is very devastating in its own in its own. So you have to have deductive reasoning. You have to think for yourself and acquire the things that are necessary while you still can. One of the things that you need to do, some of the things that you need to do before they are no longer available, you're going to have to be able to treat yourself at home. Because once the hospitals are overrun, the only thing that you're going to do is you're not going to get any care there because they're going to be over, overrun, and then you're going to have nurses and doctors that are going to start succumbing to this because of the the the, the the bath of virus that's in the overall in a contained area is going to overrun them. It's very the thing about a virus is you can't see it. You don't know where it is. So you're going to have to prepare for this, and it's going to there is going to be a Wuhan style shutdown in the United States. And I've been hearing people that that can't happen in the United States. Well, if you don't prepare for that, and when it does happen, you are going to be on the short end of the sin. This is where the wise heeds good instructions while the fool learns from experience. And I don't want us to be foolish in the experience then I should have not listened to them. I should have did what I was supposed to do, followed my overall primary instinct to do more. And I'm very proud about the, uh, some of the responses that I'm seeing around the country because people are becoming, all of a sudden, they are becoming preppers and they're starting to prepare. That is a wise, wise choice. But remember, Scotty, when we were on uh, uh, with Tando, we were telling people, you prepare for a storm when the sun is shining. The sun not shining no more. So that opportunity to acquire some of the things you are already behind the eight ball right now because you're going to have to compete with people. Yeah. For that. You know, like I was mentioning yesterday, 
Um, now is the time to be hitting up Dollar General and Family Dollar and and buying yeah. up those yeah. pinto beans and and rice and and whatever you can get your hands on. Because again, if the grid shuts down, there's no more food coming to the store. You know. And and, and how about this, Scotty? How about the cash that you're using being a infected item? That's what I told my daughter, because my daughter works in a retail store at the mall. And I told her, don't be touching your face. And, you know, you probably already use hand sanitizers anyway after using, you know, touching that dirty money or whatnot. But I will be extra cautious, you know. But but I hadn't even thought about that, Dave. Again, this is new. We don't know if it can be transmitted from surfaces to human being. We don't know. I yeah, don't it, know. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. this virus is, and this is why China's burning their their cash, and, and Germany is too. So now the cash you have, they're gonna burn it. So mm. very, very important. There are there are people that are going to get sick. I may get sick. You may get sick. But what do you have in your overall? provisions to be able to deal with that right now is your only recourse to go to the hospital that may not be the wisest thing to do at all because right now you may be able to do it depending on where you are and this is another thing why you got to be careful god forbid you have an accident during the time of a a breakout in your city or wherever it is that you live because all of the hospital is going to be inundated. You did everything else right, but you got in an accident and you had to go to the hospital. Now you got to deal with your injury, and then all of a sudden, you are exposed to infected pe- uh, in the infection and the contagious virus at the hospital. This is one of the last places you want to go. So there are many variables. I talked to Brother Hassan. And Brother Hassan, if you're there, if you could call in real quick. I talked to Brother Hassan, who lived in Seattle the other day. He called me, and he said, I'm going to quote him. He said, man, he said, Brother Wren, he said, Brother Dave, this is just like a movie. I, it's, it's so surreal. It's like we're living in a movie. That's what I was saying last <laughs> night, Dave. I said the walking dead. He's, yes, Scotty. He said firsthand in Seattle where the real first communal uh, community uh, outbreak was in, this, in the country in a substantial way was in, in the Kings County of uh, Washington, state of Washington. And I said, yes. I said, but you know what's crazy, Hassan? He said, what? I said, and everybody you see is an extra. Is a movie extra. And he said, you're exactly right. So this is very real. And you don't want to get caught off guard. You're responsible for you and your family. It's not our children's responsibility, it's yours to get completely prepared. Because this is going to affect you. Even if your city doesn't have it, your supply chain is going to be broken. And you're not going to, delivery of things are not going to get moving. So even if you, you, you're in a place, an isolated area, 
where you got no one around you for miles and miles and miles. The disease itself may still kill you as a casualty of its existence. You will be collateral damage to it because the overall resources to you will not be available. Oh, Dave, let's take this call from 206. 206, welcome to that's, Black Talk Radio News. Um, go ahead with your name and your comment or question. What's going on? This is Hassan. I'm, I'm, I'm in hey, Seattle. Hey, Hassan. I'm in Dave was talking about. Thank you for calling in. Mm. Thank you, man. Yeah, I just, I just, I just unmuted because because uh, Dave, Dave mentioned it. So I just unmuted, waiting to see if you know, yeah, anything you wanted me to say or anything. It's hard. It's yeah, hard for Hassan, us to understand. Would you tell everybody what you've experienced in in the Seattle area? Everything, everything, just like. It just slowed down, especially the other day. It, it just came to a halt. It's, it's. I mean, we're. You gotta remember, Seattle is is, is becoming. Uh, it's become a tech hub. So this is the home of Amazon and Microsoft, and they've uh, both companies have. Uh, they've shut. They well, they ain't shut down, but they told everybody to work from home, and also the major university, the University of Washington, starting yesterday, canceled all classes, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, so the freeways, everything, I'm talking like it's rush hour right now. It's 555, and I'm out and about right now. And it's like the traffic is not, it's, it's, there's not much traffic on the freeways in the morning and in the, and in the evening. And um, you just see, it's just, it's just a different vibe, especially for those that's paying attention. It's just a whole different vibe. But at the same time, it's also you got the people that ain't paying no attention and, you know, the uh, the, the, the the people that's just, the, problem, the people that's just gonna drop really <laughs> told me, you know, you have those people too. But yeah, it's 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 crazy. Like like the downtown is just it's just it's just real barren and just not much people walking around. I mean, it really is something like a movie, just like like something out of a movie. What what like right stand- now where I'm at? Because I'm I'm looking around. I live where I live. I live like 25 minutes north of Seattle, and I'm actually up by my house right now. And everything kind of seems normal up here, but when you get into the city, it's just it's just it's just change it, cha- it changes. <clears throat> yeah, you know, Hassan, I had a um, a client of mine um, that works in Shanghai, and okay. said the exact same thing. But they live in the city, and it's it's no movement, no movement at all. And, you know, the thing, the thing about that is that in the first beginning part of it, it's cool, it's, it's manageable, but when goods don't come in, the just-in-time delivery yeah. system doesn't deliver, that's where the real problems start to spring up. Yeah, because Costco, so, I'll I, I tell you something about Costco, and this is, <laughs> this is another reason when you go into preparedness, when you get that old shoot moment, because uh, Costco the other day, they didn't have any tissue or any paper towel, and that's what everybody was looking for. I'm, and I went to go get some tissue, but I got, you know, I, I keep, I got some, but just on a normal basis, you know, I went to go get some tissue, and they didn't have none. And it was just like, when you really get that moment, like, oh man, if you don't, you don't have none. Like, how you don't got it? And 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 so, uh, and then I talked to one of the workers, and they said, because um, they had told everybody they'll have some the next day and they didn't 
And um, they said when they got there, Costco opens at, I think, 6 o'clock in the morning or whatever. They said usually it's about 10 to 15 people standing outside, like, on every day. They said yep. there was, like, today there was over 150 people standing outside the door at 6 o'clock in the morning. I've been working here for yeah. years, and it's only 10 to 15 people every single day. It's 150 people. And I was, so yeah. it really goes back to what you're saying, like, you want to get ahead of the curve because man, you don't want you don't want no parts of of of, of you don't want Black part Friday of that Black Friday mentality. Yeah, that right, Black Friday. And listen, let me yeah, just say yeah. this: while everybody is running for toilet paper, go to the canned food aisle while everybody else is there. Mm-hmm. The, the, there has been a very dangerous misnomer about preparing with. That being the quintessential most important item, is not. That can be mitigated. Well, I, you not. Well, eat. Dave, I would say water, because you can you can well, live a lot longer yeah. with, without food than you can without water. That's right. Three, uh, let three. me say something. Let me say something about water really quick too. Just to, just to more prove just how everybody's really just getting crazy. I go to the well. There's a public well that I go to. It's one of the reasons I even live in the area that I live in. It's a public well you go to. It's running 24 hours a day. It's two spouts. And I go there all the time, late at night, because there's not that many people there. And I went there on, uh, what's today, Tuesday? I went there last week, just when everything was starting to hit, when the news was starting to hit about everything. Because up here, it's on the news all day, every day, because I'm in Seattle. And, and my, my friend came from L.A. a few days ago, and he told me the news was different down there. He said, but anyways, so the news, it, it was just hitting the news, and I went to the well to get some water, and I, I went at 3 o'clock in the morning like I always do, and it was because during the day, like right now, if you go to that well, you're going to be standing there for 30 minutes to an hour. I went there at 3 o'clock in the morning like I usually do. I'm only there for 10 minutes at the most, and I was there for about 45 minutes, and and just everybody's vibe was just, you could tell, I mean, you could just, you can sense when people are there that this ain't what they usually do. Right. And, and yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, man, okay. It's going down. Yeah. And, yeah. and what happens as this, if, if this disease really progressed, Costco won't have employees that will be able to get, let one Costco employee get sick. And then what's that Costco going to have to do? Because they don't want workers' comp issues. What are they going to do? They're going to close the store. Yeah. The progression yeah. of these things, look at what happened in Wuhan, China. They told people they gave them, they quarantined them, said they could only be out for so long. Then they quarantined them that, hey, only one family member at a time can go out and get food. Then they stopped that. It gets progressively worse. Well, well Dave, I just hope that the um, Black Talk Radio listening audience is better prepared than most audiences because for all the years that Tando Radio Show was on the network and and you were talking about the table for preparedness, I wonder how many people will be like, was like, well, we live in the United States. It won't happen. We'll, We'll never need these skills and what have you. And then here we are today with COVID-19 blazing across the country. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. happening right now. Because even if things are already, my my sister's husband, he works for one of the largest uh, import and export companies here. He, he actually runs the company. He should own it. But anyways, uh, 
And yes, yeah, it's, it's, everything is all backed up. So uh, everything is, is, is happening right now. I, I, I don't know about other parts of the country, um, but I mean, since I'm right here in the epicenter, it's like it's it's, it's really it's, it's going down. It's, it's, it's yeah. you know things are short. A lot of stuff is short on on the shelves, and you know. But I mean, they'll they'll restock it in a couple of days later. So when you thought it was panic time, it's like oh, okay, not yet, not yet, you know. But but yeah, it's, 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 it really is. It's a different vibe up here than it is everywhere. Else. I know it is. It has to be. Cause I've talked to yeah. people all over the country. Hey Hassan, we're gonna have to get out of here because Scotty's got another guest. Uh, Scotty, let's do another show next week. Uh, what day will be good, and then I will schedule it so we could just talk about what is it the things a list of the things that you should be trying to get. And I'm gonna tell you by the time we come on next, hopefully. Well, why, why, why not? Why not Friday night? Why not Friday? Under a quarantine. What's that, Scotty? Why not Friday? Let's let's do a Friday. This Friday or next Friday? No, this Friday. Well, uh, this Friday, um, I won't be able to do it because um, okay, I, um, my daughter is uh, going to be in labor. All right. So, oh, congratulations on the grandchild. Um, but. Yes. But yeah, um, well, we'll just do next Tuesday night then, cause next week Monday okay. I have um, uh, somebody already scheduled. But uh, I can get Let's with you it, for next week Tuesday. All right. Well, Dave, thanks, and man. And we make you an emergency show, depending on what's going on, too. Well, you just know, give me a call or text me, yes, sir. and we'll make it happen. Okay. All right. Take care, Dave. Okay. Okay. Peace. All right, you guys. Peace. All right. right thank peace. you, Yep. Peace, man. Okay, so I don't see John on the line. We don't have John Jeter on the line. It's like one minute after. So I'm going to try to reach out to him again to have him come on. And, you know, I've been checking out his Facebook profile, and he shares some pretty interesting stories. Um, He is the first person who I saw uh, talking about what's going on with voting here, you know, during this election season. Um, I see we just had somebody call in. Now, I'm, I don't know John's number. I don't know your number, John. So if you call in, hit star star to unmute yourself. Otherwise, I'll, I'll assume you're just one of the callers who's hanging on to listen. Um, so, yeah, uh, John is in another country. He's in, he's in, well, I shouldn't say, well, he tells people where he's at. He's based in Costa Rica. Um, so I'm not sure what his situation is, but I did, um, you know, schedule him for nine o'clock, um, tonight. So what I'm going to do is take a station identification break, uh, play a couple of promos and try to get in touch with him. Um, if we're unable to get him on the line, then I'll just go ahead and, and just cover, you know, what the issues that he was raising, I'll, I'll cover it myself. Um, Because he has shared some of this information on his Facebook profile. And I already see a couple of articles. And the gist of what we were going to talk about is we don't believe that working families and poor people, and particularly black people, just all of a sudden all just went for Joe Biden. That something is not adding up, as John Jeter was pointing out in the mainstream media was pointing out prior to South Carolina voting, Joe Biden was broke. Joe Biden didn't have no money. Joe Biden wasn't running any campaign ads in any other Super Tuesday states, wasn't running any in South Carolina. 
uh, really didn't have any kind of infrastructure on the ground in these states. But all of a sudden, it's like, you know, he starts reeling off these Super Tuesday victories. And it was not without major problems in non-white voting districts in terms of them closing polling sites. I think in Texas, some of the lines, they were talking about people standing in line four and five hours. In Los Angeles County, they were seeing all kind of malfunctions with the machines. I heard today in Michigan, they didn't have enough absentee ballots or, or, or what have you. So it's just really, really been crazy. And, and then in terms of black voters, look, I can believe that they voted for Joe Biden. And again, when I say black voters, I'm not I'm not acting like black voters are some kind of unified voting block. We are not a monolithic. You got black folks supporting Donald Trump, albeit in very, very small numbers. But I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, when you saw all those black people turn out for Hillary Clinton, even though she said all those racist things throughout her career and back racist policies, Oh, you know, they still turned out for her in high numbers during the Democratic primary, um, which Bernie Sanders almost won. But it was a lot of rigging going on. Uh, as I referenced at the top of the show, the 200,000 voters in, in New York City that were taken off the rolls by the Democratic Party. And and this was reported and they weren't punished. I don't even think they got a fine or anything for disenfranchising all of those voters. And so. I'm like John, though. I, I just really don't trust it. I don't trust it. But I I am not I am not going to be surprised if a huge segment of black voters, especially black boomers, where all they do is get their information mainly from cable television shows like MSNBC, which is, I heard, ranked number one with African-Americans, but uh, it ranks low in ratings, you know, when comparing to all the other networks. And and so given the anti-Bernie Sanders propaganda that we've been seeing, the pro-establishment, they've always been pro-establishment. Again, we got to recognize that billionaires own these media corporations. There's six corporations owning and controlling 90% of what we see. Byron Allen said that Comcast is racist. Guess who owns Comcast? Okay? And I'm telling you, there are black people out there that ain't got a problem lying to you or sheep herding for the establishment for for a paycheck. And they do it and they doing it. They doing it. So Malcolm X said media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. And I have no illusions about black people being immune to the propaganda but it's just sad because given that we have access to the internet and we don't have to rely on cable news hosts we can go to people's platforms and read their policy proposals we can look up their records and we're just not seeing that we're not you know a lot of us aren't using the technology like you know somebody said the other day well bernie sanders didn't do any black outreach well that's the doggone lie the man has um, the most black surrogates working on his campaign and going out to these communities and canvassing them, going to the poor communities, targeting uh, the communities that don't normally turn out to vote. 
Um, so that's a lie. I saw all the videos. I follow, you know, different channels on on YouTube, and I saw all the events that was being held in the black community. I saw all the black volunteers for his campaign, you know, knocking on doors and setting records and what have you. So this 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 nonsense that well, Bernie Sanders didn't do any um, outreach to the Congressional Black Caucus. Really, do we really need the CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus, which hasn't done anything substantial for its voters? I can't even think of anything they've gotten behind that significantly helped their constituents, meaning the black community. And really, I'm going to go to these same people like James Clyburn, who has gotten more money from the pharmaceutical industry than any member of Congress, whether we're talking the House or the Senate. In the past 10 years, of course he's against Medicare for all. Of course he's going to endorse Joe Biden. But you are in a sorry state of existence if you rely on people on television or looking at which way these congressional black members is going to vote or who they're endorsing and not doing your own research. You're just in a sad state of existence. And you're susceptible to sheep herding meaning you are the sheep and you're being herded into whatever direction the establishment wants you. But I'm still not going to believe that all of a sudden all these black people uh, are going to go and vote for the father of modern mass incarceration. When Jimmy Carter was dismantling what Nixon was building in terms of mass incarceration in the prison industrial complex, and then Joe Biden criticizing Carter on that, which is new to me. I didn't know this, you know, until I started doing some more digging in in Biden's background. I knew him from the 90s because I lived through the 90s. I was adult in the 90s, so I knew all about him, you know, supporting um, the crime bill or him writing the crime bill and, and then expanding all of these cops that's out on our, on our streets and what, I knew all of that, but I didn't know that Joe Biden was, was, um, you know, going hard for, to establish the prison industrial complex way back in the seventies. They, you know, they were saying, and it's been documented that he was pushing Ronald Reagan to be tougher on crime. So, I I just can't believe that, you know, often I will hear black people talk about poor white people and say, why they voting for Trump or why they voting for George Bush or or the the other Bush or or Reagan. All these Republicans do is cut the social safety net. We know these poor whites make up the bulk of the majority of people on the EBT, you know, getting food assistance or Section 8 housing. Why they always voting against their own interests? You know, now. You can't tell me we ain't been doing the same. Now, I give Barack Obama a pass. I give people a pass for Barack Obama because he was the first black president and he was promising hope and change, whatever that was supposed to mean. I actually ended up voting for Cynthia McKinney and, um, uh, you know, she was the Green Party nominee, her and Rosa Clemente as her vice presidential candidate um, or running mate. So I went with the Green Party in 2008. I was like, I don't know Obama. He ain't really saying what he stands for. And, you know, I don't know about all this hope and change, but I know Cynthia McKinney and she's about it, about it. That's why the Democrats primaried her 
and got her kicked out of Congress because she wasn't going along with their foolishness and what have you. So, but I understand the novelty of the first black president, a black family in the White House. So I, I understand he gets a pass that first time around. But then that second time around, I don't know. Maybe we was thinking those that voted for him, because I didn't vote for him in 2012 either. But uh, And I didn't vote for the Republican either. I think I voted for Gary Johnson, because he was talking about ending the drug war. Uh, but I guess black folks were saying, well, he his last four years, that's when he'll really do something to change the system. And it didn't happen. Now, part of it is mainly his fault. But part of it is the black voters' fault, or let's just say voters in general that voted him in the office don't show up to these, to these, uh, um, you know, um, what's the best way to put it? The off years, you know, when it's not a presidential election. Like right now, this year, we'll have a presidential election. Two years from now, it'll be electing people to the House and the Senate. And then another two years when you had the next presidential election. From what I've seen, we got voters who like to take off elections. And how can how how is things are just not gonna work that way? So I will take a look at some of these articles that John uh had shared since we don't have him on, on the line. I hope he's okay and everything down there in Costa Rica. Um but when we come back, I'll jump into some of these articles that say exit polls are not matching up with the actual numbers. So it appears, just like 2016, the DNC is rigging yet another primary. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. Please support the production and distribution of independent black media by making a tax-deductible donation to the Black Talk Media Project by hitting any of the donate buttons you see on Black Talk Radio Network. We'll be back on the other side. At the very same time that America refused to give the Negro any land, Through an act of Congress, our government was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that it was willing to undergird its white peasants from Europe with an economic floor. But not only did they give the land, they built land-grant colleges with government money to teach them how to farm. Not only that, they provided county agents further their expertise in farming. Not only that, they provided low interest rates in order that they could mechanize their farms. Not only that, today many of these people are receiving millions of dollars in federal subsidies not to farm, and they are the very people telling the black man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. This is what we are faced with, and this is the reality. Now, when we come to Washington, In this campaign, we are coming to get our check. 
You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm trying to uh, cue up this video that John had shared about the exit polls are way off. And this is from Lee Camp of Redacted uh, Tonight. Uh, I don't think I follow this. Yeah, I am subscribed to No, I'm not subscribed to this channel. But I've seen some of the videos he's put out before. He's pretty good. Um, but before I play this clip, about the exit polls being way off according to the published results. Um, you know, I played that clip about Dr. King talking about, you know, this time we come to Washington, D.C. to get our check, and he was talking about reparations. Now, Bernie Sanders was on the wrong side of the issue of reparations for a very long time. He never really seriously considered it. Then... Reparations uh, activists like Danny Glover, who is part of uh, the Sanders campaign, started educating Sanders on it. You know, that's how that's how you get people to support stuff. You start lobbying them. You educate them. So at, whereas before his answer was, well, I don't support reparations because I don't think we can get it, a bill through Congress. There's no political support for it. You know, the same the same thing that Barack Obama said. You know, I believe that's the same thing Barack Obama said when he said why he don't support uh, reparations. But now Bernie Sanders does support reparations. He is the co-sponsor of Cory Booker's bill in the Senate of uh, that reparations bill. You know, you have a, a bill in the House, which is H.R. 40, and then usually some, a House member will collaborate with a Senate a member to introduce some companion legislation in the Senate. So that's what Cory Booker did. Now, since Bernie Sanders is a co-sponsor of, of reparations, and he has stated that if we can get this bill passed through the House and the Senate, and I'm president, I will sign it into law. And he puts out a video with Danny Glover on Juneteenth, and not only talking about Juneteenth need to be a national holiday, but talking about, you know, the need to develop reparations programs. All right. So I guess Kamala Harris and Cory Booker and all the other uh, black people. Now, James Clyburn, I don't think he even supported reparations, but not every member of Congress supports reparations. And I'm talking about the black members of Congress. But Cory Booker did. He introduced a reparations bill. He also supported Medicare for all. He also uh, um, wanted to legalize cannabis. All things that George, uh, excuse me, I'm about to say George Bush, but Joe Biden is against. Joe Biden said he ain't responsible for what his great-grandpappy did. And when he was asked in a recent debate uh, during this season, political season by, um, I think it was a CNN, it was one of them CNN debates when, when the black woman asked him about whether or not he supports reparations, he started talking about black folks need to raise their children better. They need to put the record player on at night and let the children hear words. That was his response to reparations, okay? And with all, if, if, if it's true that all of these black people is supporting Joe Biden, you mean you just going to give up reparations 
For what? What is Joe Biden offering you? Nothing. He doesn't support Medicare for all. We as a group uh, suffer the worst health care outcomes because we have the worst health care access. Millions of us don't have insurance. And all this dude is talking about tinkering around the edges of Obamacare, which the mandate for Obamacare, making people buy insurance to keep the cost low, has been ruled unconstitutional, and the costs were never low. So, I mean, it's just it's, it's just crazy. I can't think of a better descriptor or a better word to describe this. It's crazy. Okay, um, I just heard from, from John. Um, he's thinking that we're on in 40 minutes. And I just sent a message to him. Let me check my board and see if he's if he's on before I go into this video. All right, so we'll give uh, see if John calls in. But let me go into this video about the exit polls not matching. And so again, this is Lee Camp from Redacted Tonight. Let me uh, make sure it starts from the beginning. Hey everybody, welcome to Moment of Clarity. As you can see, I'm coming to you from a hotel room in New York City this time around, but I needed to talk to you now because it's important. Couldn't wait for tomorrow. The exit poll shit is happening all over again, where you can see that the exit polls and the machine results are varying, meaning it is showing us fraud. It is showing us fraud in these primaries in one form or another. On Redacted Tonight, I already went through how the the, the number of provisional ballots, the number of polling places closed in these various states, Texas and California specifically, were specifically designed, sorry to use specifically twice, right back to back like that. I know that was probably very stressful for you. Anyway, I'll try not to use specifically the word any anymore within this specific video. But in those two states, it showed uh, immense suppression and various manipulation of the election in order to stop Bernie Sanders from winning those elections. Now we're seeing the difference between the exit polls and the machine results. So what I'm about to go through is coming to you from TDMS Research, which you can also look up for yourself online, tdmsresearch.com. Basically what they do is they take the exit polls and compare them to the machine results. What we're told is the actual vote is in these states. As I've mentioned before, there are very few exit polls. Basically, they, they got rid of most of the exit polls in order to make it more difficult for people like you and me to notice fraud in our primaries, in our general election, because exit polls are recognized worldwide as having legitimacy, as showing what should happen in an election if there's not fraud, okay? They're not some wild thing. They're done well. They're done accurately. In other countries, if they vary by 2%, just 2% compared to the machine results, then people say it's fraudulent and we need a recount, if not an entirely new election. And even our own USAID, which is connected to our CIA, it's our basically our uh, pretend humanitarian way of creating coups around the world. Even they say that 2% off for an exit poll points to fraud. And they've funded exit polls in various countries in order to show whether it was a legit election or not. 
So nowadays, there's really only one company left that does exit polling that is not connected to CNN or Fox News or something. They're called Edison Research. But as their own CEO said in a Washington Post article back in 2016, after they released the the initial exit polls, they then alter their exit polls to fit the machine results, which is the opposite of an exit poll. That is a fucked up exit poll. Because if you're taking the unobservable, unaccountable machines and using it to connect, to change the exit polls, then you've, you've taken the fraudulent, possibly fraudulent thing and wiped out the legitimate thing that's supposed to show the fraud. Anyway, when they initially show their exit polling, before they've altered them, before they've adjusted them for machine results, that is the number that TDMS research grabs and compares it to the machine results. So they're grabbing it before it's been altered. At least that's the goal. And in a couple of states, in this last Super Tuesday, they were able to show that the exit polls are way off from the machine, the unobservable, unaccountable machine results. This is the same shit that happened in 2016. So let me go through a few of the numbers real quick. Let's begin with Massachusetts. The exit polls were very far off from the machine results in Massachusetts, which, as you remember, the polling coming out before Super Tuesday was saying, hey, Bernie Sanders is going to win this thing. Bernie Sanders is going to win Massachusetts. He's going to win Texas. He's going to win a lot of states, if not Almost all of them. That's what the polling was showing. And then all of a sudden, there was this crazy shift that showed him losing all these states. Especially when you consider that Joe Biden had, like, very little ground game, very little money, never appeared in Massachusetts. Then what the fuck happened? Well, here's what happened. When you add up the shift between Joe Biden's exit polls and his machine results and Bernie Sanders' exit polls and his machine results, you get... 8.2%. That's the amount of shift. Double the 4% exit poll margin of error. Biden's exit polls showed that he got roughly 388,000 votes in Massachusetts. The machine results showed he got 448,500 votes in Massachusetts. A massive difference. A difference of over 60,000 votes. Bernie Sanders, if you go by what the exit polls were telling us, should have gotten 408,000 votes. You know, these are these are rough numbers, but b- b- close enough. And the computers showed that he got 358,000. A difference of negative 49,000 votes. He lost 49,000 votes in an election, Massachusetts, an election that only had 1,343,000 votes. So this is a huge shift. And if you add up the shift between Sanders and Warren, the amount they lost, it totals 97,000 votes less. And where did those votes go? Mainly to Biden and Bloomberg. So that was a shift of 8.2%. Now, here's something interesting. If you look at what happened in 2016, when the exit polls were also off during the primary, how much were they off between Bernie Sanders and Clinton? 8%. Very similar to what we saw this time. All right, I'm, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, we do have our guest uh, who is joining us. So we're going to speak with journalist John Jeter about these Democratic primaries. Um, John's the only one that I've seen who's even, in terms of black journalists, who's even raising the issue of another rigged primary and these exit polls aren't matching up and something doesn't look right here. So John Jeter is a published book author, two-time 
uh, Pulitzer Prize finalist with more than 20 years of journalistic experience. He's the former Washington Post bureau chief and award-winning foreign correspondent on two continents, as well as a former radio and television producer for Chicago Public Media's This American Life. And um, let me go ahead and welcome in uh, for the first time and hopefully not the last time to BTR News, Mr. John Jeter. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Are you able to hear me? Sorry. Yeah, I can hear I can hear you, John. What about that, brother? Yeah, give me I can hear you perfect. Okay, great. Now it seems to be working just great, fine. Great. So it was just an issue with our other line. So um yeah, John, I, I as I was saying, man, you're the only one, the okay. only journalist, you know, regular person that writes and stuff that have been questioning um, you know, the poll, the uh, actual vote voting outcomes and what's going on at these polls, man. You know, I follow other black media personalities yeah. and I mean, they're not even questioning the long lines that we've been seeing in some of these states. Right. Right. And you don't see any reporting in terms of, you know, I haven't seen any any interviews with just sort of ordinary black voters talking about. Well, did you vote for Biden? Did you vote for Sanders? Why? Why not? I don't even see that. So it's almost like we're playing this role in the election, but we're invisible. So it's uh, it's like this invisible hand is getting this election, and we're not even hearing back from regular black people who they say are this sort of deciding factor. Now, when I first wanted to um, contact you about doing this show, you made the point. And are you I there? Yes, yes, I'm here. I think what it is is we have a delay. Um, it's what's going on. There's a delay before you hear my voice. Um, but you know, um, one of the things. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did actually see a black voter who was asked a question in on the east side of Detroit um, about who he was voting for. He said he was voting for Sanders, and he said Joe Biden is just the Democratic version of Donald Trump. <laughs> and I was like, that's very spot on, young man. Uh, obviously, you've been paying attention. Um, but, yeah. But that's, again. That's real talk. Yeah. Real talk. That's real talk. And then. Right. So another way that I'm seeing even like, for example, Roland Martin and, and people um, in his orbit are racing black voters by saying, well, Joe Biden's getting the entire black vote. Well, from what I can tell, and I understand we can't trust the data, but is Sanders is capturing most of the youth vote, the black vote, I, I guess, if you want to say 40 and under is youth. Um, he's been capturing that. So obviously it seems that Biden's strength is with the boomer class. Um, I, you know, that's the only way I can explain it, man. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't. I haven't done any reporting up close. I'm in Costa Rica, as you know. But I get the sense that what has happened is that people have given up on democracy, and that, and that. Uh, I know. I think Biden may have won a few, a few states on Super Tuesday. I think he may have won as many as six states outright, without any kind of rigging, right? Because I do think the black primary voters, particularly in the Deep South, are probably his base, right, uh, or a part of his base. But I think what happened is that a lot of people saw that the outcome, they could see that the fix was in, and I don't think they're showing up from now on out. I don't think they're showing up in the polls, and I don't think they're showing up in the voting booth. So I think this is kind of a, a how do you say it, a fait complete. 
And uh, it really, I, I think what we're going to see in November is Trump thrash Biden, and I think you're going to see the death of our American democracy, what, what little there was in the first place. You know, speaking of the death of American democracy, and I don't know if you agree with this observation, but the observation that I made was we don't never see these kind of issues during the Republican primary. You know, for all the complaints that I have about the Republican Party, and there's many, um, I never hear about them rigging their primaries. And unlike the Democratic Party or the DNC and Donald Trump, they embraced the so-called extremists and the, you know, populist candidate, if you will. But the exact opposite is happening on the Democratic side. You know, they will go as far as to rig, you know, their primary to get the desired outcome. And that is a standard bearer for the establishment and Joe Biden, it seems. Yeah, there's a, I, I cannot remember who this is attributed to, but there's an old saying that the Republicans fear their base, the Democrats hate their base. And I think that's true, particularly when you consider that the most loyal Democrats are blacks. And Democrats don't want any part of a democracy in which we are uh, the kingmaker. So I think there's some truth to that. But I think the other thing that I think everyone knows this, but I think this is kind of reinforcement of this. Um, the Democrats really would much prefer that Trump is reelected than they would to have someone like Bernie Sanders in office who might, we don't even know, but who might be responsive to progressive and black voters. They don't want that. That That is a, and they don't have the imagination to see that as an opportunity to rebuild the Democratic Party so they're not enthralled with Wall Street. They don't have that kind of imagination. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, these cats don't have any kind of imagination. So that's, that's where we're at, man. These cats, they know Biden's going to lose to Trump, and they don't care. They'd much rather have Trump in office than Bernie Sanders. And do you think that's because of their policies? For example, now, why did James Clyburn wait to the last minute to endorse Joe Biden? He's going to wait, like, on the eve of the primary in South Carolina to come out and endorse Joe Biden. And then once Clyburn endorsed him, then it seems the floodgates open for these other candidates that were running who claimed to be progressives. They claimed they was for Medicare for all. They claimed that they was for uh, some of the other popular uh, policies like like uh, reparations even. You know, Cory Booker with the reparations bill, Kamala Harris co-sponsor on that reparations bill along with Bernie Sanders. Right. And and so once Clyburn, and I found out that Clyburn has gotten more money from the pharmaceutical industry than any member of Congress in the House or the Senate in the last 10 years. And so I, I, I think that the CBC is just doing what they've always done and, and acting in a way that's, that's, crazy. that's in the best interest of the 1% or their corporate overlords, those who fill their campaign coffers to the detriment of their black constituencies. What do you think? Oh, I, I agree with you 100%, brother. I mean, Clyburn, I'm, and I'm sure that Clyburn, if Clyburn is first in, in terms of uh, uh, raising money from pharmaceutical industry, I'm sure Cory Booker is somewhere in the top five because he's raised a lot of money from the pharmaceutical industry. And so he protects them. And this is this is another part of this contradiction that we're seeing in this, you know, what what what, what, what Gramsci calls the, the interregnum, right? The newest the, the old is dying, the new cannot be born. And you've got this you've got not just this treacherous 
uh, Democratic leadership, but you've also got these traitorous, this traitorous black, what Glenn Ford at Black Agenda Report calls the black misleadership mis class, right? So they're not representing us, right? They're not representing, we need black people as much as any uh, demographic in America. We need health care, right? I mean, that's, and, and, the, and, the, and the American voter has, in every poll taken since 1980, has clearly indicated they want some kind of single payer or Medicare for all system, right? right. We can't afford this kind of health care system. So why aren't these blacks, these blacks in Congress, these black mayors, you know, I saw the Prince George's County Executive in Washington, D.C., right outside Washington, D.C., a uh, black woman, and she supports uh, uh, Biden. Well, that's crazy. Biden shepherded, he presided over uh, the greatest disintegration of wealth for her community, which is a majority black, the most prosperous majority black uh, jurisdiction in the country. Biden and his boss, uh, Barack Obama, presided over the greatest loss of black wealth since 1874. Why would you support Joe Biden? Right. When 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 Bernie Sanders is presenting a clear and viable alternative, we don't know if he's going to deliver it, but we know we at least have a chance. Right. He's right. he's talking to talk. We can maybe make him walk the walk. So why would you support him? Well, you don't represent us. You represent you represent the pharmaceutical companies and Wall Street and big money. So and that contradiction is very clear. So I think, you know, what we're looking at is not just a collapse of the Democratic Party. And I think probably a collapse of uh of a, of a democracy, really, I think we're looking at an opportunity where we're going to have to rebuild, right? We're going to we're going to have to have almost by necessity this second reconstruction or third reconstruction, I guess, is what it's going to have to be. And people are going to have to realize who are our allies and who are our enemies. And a lot of these blacks who are holding elected office, most of them, I would say, mm -hmm. particularly at the at the federal level, are our class enemies. We just have to face that fact. You know, you know, John, Malcolm X predicted that there was a coming clash and that it wasn't going to be a clash between blacks and whites, but there was going to be a clash between yeah. those of the oppressor class and those who are being oppressed. And I think, you know, that the CBC, the, you know, like, uh, Barr calls them the black misleadership class is just bearing that out. And showing that, you know, for all the criticism Bernie Sanders got for, you know, raising up the issue of classism, yeah. um, we're seeing it play out right now. Yeah, no, there's no question. I mean, I, I love that quote by Malcolm, man. I think he's exactly right. I, I'm not going to lie to you, though. I do think, uh, I think we're going to see a, a catastrophic financial crisis sometime probably, in the, probably, we don't know, but probably within the next year, I think we're going to see a catastrophic financial crisis. And I think we're going to see some real... Uh, let's just, I don't want to be alarmist, but just some real tribalism, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, white folks lose their mind when they, they see, uh, when, they, when they have to live through what we've been living through for, for 400 years, right. they start to lose their mind. So I think we're going to see that, that, right? I think that's going to be uh, part of this, um, part of this polarization. But I agree. I think, I think that, you know, it, you know, uh, every brother ain't a brother, as public enemy said, right? You know, all skinfolk ain't kinfolk. And we're really seeing that with the congressional black Kamala Harris. And I'll tell you another thing, too, I think is very interesting. Um, the 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 Democrats played their, their whole card with Obama, right? They they saw that the nation was coming apart at the seams. They saw that the, that the bankers were swindling blacks, especially blacks, a lot of other people as well, out of their homes. And they said, well, how do we how do we keep this neighbor's mob at bay, right? We don't want them storming them steal a black president, right? And, you know, I love black people. 
I, I, I think black people, the black voter is the most sophisticated and the most progressive in this nation's history. But we went for it, right? But I will say this. We didn't go for it this time. You see how Kamala Harris did, how Cory Booker did, how Deval Patrick, we rejected them out of hand. Now, mm-hmm. we followed up, apparently, by going for Biden, who was just, you know, yes, basically yes. a doddering old fool with dementia, right, uh, who's, who's jailed who's jailed as many black people as anyone alive, right, mm-hmm. or is responsible for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got this. We haven't quite figured it out yet, but I think we will. And I think as part of that process, look, man, you know, this ain't no secret, man. At some point, we're going to take this to the streets, you know. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to sell wolf tickets. I'm just saying it's the only thing these people listen to when you make some noise, you know. Uh, and and the rigging of this election, uh, the Democrats consolidating behind this neoliberal uh, 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 moron, Joe Biden, uh, is just evidence of that. You know, you you mentioned earlier about. We and, and then this kind of also ties into what we were just talking about the first hour with the coronavirus. Now, I don't know if the coronavirus is depressing, uh, any kind of voter turnout, um, but I do know that the Democratic Party seems to be suppressing votes by closing polling stations the day before, which I'm hearing that's going on in some of the, some of these Midwestern countries. But you mentioned Reconstruction. But what preceded Reconstruction was the Civil War. And so when I saw Joe Biden talking about how he was going to slap that white auto worker right, when right. he questioned him about taking guns and Joe Biden lied. <laughs> Joe Biden absolutely did um, communicate that right. they coming for them um, AR-15s when he named uh, uh, Beto. You know, he said, this won't be the last you see a Beto. So, you know, for better or worse, those people out there who value the Second Amendment and right. value their AR-15s, I'm saying with this dude, man, it, they might actually believe that that they coming for their guns, and and you know it could turn into civil war too. Your thoughts, uh, bro? I don't, I don't think there's any doubt, man. I mean, I think this is this this is this is real talk right here, man. I think I think this could go very badly, very quickly. And I'm not again, I'm not, I'm not trying to sell wolf tickets. I don't want, I don't want. We're really talking about 50 years, right? We're t- talking about. 1973, when wages in the United States were at their highest, savings was at its highest, right? And now we're talking about wages are at their lowest, their historical low, right? That's people's lives that you're talking about. And you can't, you can't continue to tap down on this without there being some consequences. So, yeah, I, you, know, I, you know, I don't know what the Civil War might look like. I think it could look like sort of, you know, 1919, the Red Summer 1919. It could look like 1968. It could be a combination of the two. It could be some kind of tribalism like the Rwandan genocide. I just don't know, but I just think that there is, there are uh, conditions on the ground that that suggest that there is some sort of violent confrontation coming in the United States because no one's. What, what does Sartre say? Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, a dystopia is when everyone's needs are unmet, right? Well, everyone's needs are unmet, and so it's dangerous, man. And people don't have anything to lose, you know. So. I, you know, I'm a little fearful, uh, but I also think, you know, that it's probably it's probably all over but the shouting, right? People just don't believe in this democratic system that we have anymore because it's not democratic. Right. You know, I've been seeing a lot of 
people, and they're not just all Sanders supporters uh, that's in the Democratic Party. He has a sizable chunk of independents as well. But I saw some of those Sanders supporters in the Democratic Party talking about if Joe Biden gets the nomination, they done with the Democratic Party. And I think they may mean it. I think that if Joe Biden captures this, I can hope, at least I hope that's what will happen, is that the DNC as a corporation will become insolvent and there'll be no more Democratic Party and maybe the Green Party or or, or could, you know, fill that space. But I think people are not going to go for the Democrats, even if it's just a perception of rigging another primary. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. The Democratic Party has has dug a, has dug a hole for it from for itself from which it can't climb out of. It just can't, right? I mean, you can't. They've done this in successive elections, right? Hillary did not win that nomination last year, not in a straight out vote. She didn't. They rigged those votes. There was an entire apartment building in Brooklyn that disappeared from the voter rolls during the primaries last uh, in 2016. So people's faith in both democracy and the Democratic Party is shaken irretrievably. And so I think you're definitely going to see, I mean, I hope we organize a third uh, third party movement, a successful one, an effective one, but I, I can almost guarantee you if Joe Biden is the nominee and it looks like he's going to be, Trump is going to beat that boy like he stole something, right? And who in the world is going to believe in the Democratic Party if they can't beat this orange-haired fool in the White House, Right? Nobody's going to vote for the Democratic Party. And I don't think they realize if nobody's coming out to vote, right, first, you, you, you could have a constitutional crisis. But secondly, where are their donors going to go if they can't even pull people out to, for, this, for this sort of illusion of a democracy? Their donors aren't going to stick with them either. There's no need to. So I don't think they thought this out completely, but I, I think it's the end of the Democratic Party. I do. I don't know if it's going to, if it's going to be, you know, uh, the day after the election, but I don't think – uh, in the election in 2024, we're going to see a viable Democratic Party. Unless they're, unless they're billionaire benefactors are, are willing to bail them out. But we do have, have a caller, um, and this this will be the only call that I'm going to take since we're close to the end of the broadcast. Again, we're on with John Jeter. I believe that might be Thomas giving us a call, but area code 662, uh, you're on BTR News. Uh, go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah, good evening, brothers and sisters in Radio Land. But I was just listening to the to the chatter going on about the Democrat Party and the person in the White House now. And I got some questions I guess I'd like to ask and get some feedback and also statements, I guess. But at the same time, I hear there's this call, this we ask it. I guess, how can we get the person Trump that's in office out of office? That's what I'm gathering. Um, Let let me correct you on that, Thomas. Um, No, that's we're not focused on Trump. We're focused. uh, Trump is just a symptom, symptom of this corrupt system. It's Trump is a symptom of the corrupt Democratic Party. So Trump is secondary, like other people have been saying, it's the Democratic Party that stands in the way of any trans- transformative change that the people yes, want. Yes, that's, 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 I didn't mean to disrupt, but see, that's that's why I'm chopping at the bit, because as I have became that's a right. Rankin, that's right. And for the last, ever since, ever since, ever since, 
they have been the ones that have played the role in our downtrodden. Now, on the other side of the, of the scope of things, the people that has intentions of good in them has not been as aggressive as they should uh, 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 be against the injustice. Right. So they have allowed it. But there's this, this, this party that we have been participating in and supporting, and I don't care who it was or what color you were, I can't, when I look back through the pages of history, I don't see nothing they did for us. They gave, they sold, they sold us illusions, a mirage, but at the end, it was just what it said it was, a mirage. If we keep doing the same thing, discussing them is not even, a, to me, my eyes is wide open. It's not even a matter of discussing them anymore. Even when we see a corrupt people trying to bring some sort of justice about, as, as evenly as you can get it in this country, justice, they 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 doing everything they can to hinder it. Mm-hmm. All the years that they've been talking about doing some things, I see some things he didn't sign off on in the legislation pertaining to us. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Say that again. I don't hear nobody talking about that. He has not passed now a piece of legislation. What he say, I ain't got nothing to do with that as a person. Who who has not and signed? He's sitting in that office as my president. And I, who who are you saying? He's my president. I have, Thomas, who are you saying hasn't passed any legislation? The, the Trump okay. pertaining to, to hinder me as a black man. Okay. I haven't seen any. True that. I haven't seen now a piece of legislation that he has passed to handicap me any further than I always have, but I've seen some legislation that he has passed to sort of unshackle me a bit. So what's, I, I, this is my take on this thing. But mm-hmm. these other folks, what have they been in politics as I can remember? They have talked the same thing. Well. What, what am I, I don't get it. But yet, for some reason, somehow, the media and these other people, the Democrat Party, have seemed to convince us as black people that this guy the worst thing that ever sat in the seat of their own office. (laughs) Well, Thomas, uh, we got just a short time left. I appreciate your comments and. I don't, I don't, there's right. nothing that I right. disagree with that you said, but I'm going to let John, uh, John, were you able to hear Thomas? And uh, would you like to respond? Me either. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wanted to say, I, I would, I, I, Thomas, I agree with you completely, brother Trump, you know, and I know I, I, I've lost and I probably will lose more black friends because I say this, but so far Trump is no worse than Barack Obama. And if you look at Barack Obama's record, in terms of black people, in terms of African people, in terms of people of color, whether it be Afro-Caribbeans in Honduras, whether it be Libyans, whether it be African-Americans here in the United States, Barack Obama's record was horrible. As I said earlier, uh, African-Americans lost more of their wealth over the eight years that Barack Obama was in office than at any time since 1874, right? So, I, you know, Trump Trump to me is horrible. And if he gets elected to a, to a second term, he may, in fact, turn out to be the worst president in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. But, but like you said, right now, he ain't no worse than anybody else. Bush was terrible. Clinton was terrible. 
Hillary Clinton would have been terrible had she been elected. So you're right. It's, it's not. This is not about Trump. It's not about the Republicans or Democrats. It's about whether or not working people in the United States, and particularly black people, right, who are blameless in this crisis that we're going through now, or at least at least we're the least to blame, whether or not we get what we deserve, finally. That's what this is about. Right. Well, you know, I, have, I said to a family member today, um, I was talking to my cousin, and I was like, look, since Trump has become president, my bank account ain't got no smaller and it ain't got no larger. It's pretty much stayed the same in terms of how I was living during the Obama years versus how I've been right. living these past three right. years. And I can say, again, you know, the truth is the truth. And it speaks for itself. Donald Trump is withdrawing troops from Afghanistan. Now, if he's going to withdraw them all, right. I don't know, but he certainly did run on ending that war in Afghanistan, right. and they have signed an agreement with the Taliban, and I read today that the first of the forces that they were going to start drawing down are leaving. So, um, and then when you look at for all its flaws, and it does have flaws, and we covered it on New Abolitionist Radio, Trump right. can say, I let more black people out of prison then Joe Biden has cause to go to prison. You know what I'm saying? So in terms of Trump, I do believe that they have hyped him up to be this right. big boogeyman. Right. It's true. And he is bad. He is bad. But he ain't doing nothing that Joe Biden ain't been a part of. Like somebody said, oh, right. if you don't vote for Biden, then you must support kids being in cages or you support these people being deported. Well, uh, the Obama administration put kids in cages. And let's not forget that they had more deportations during the Obama years than the previous administration. And then if we want to talk about people being in cages, there are more black people, men, women, and children in the cages that Joe Biden built as the architect of the modern mass incarceration prison industrial complex that we see today. So I'm like, you know, Joe, right as it stands today, Trump's looking better to, than Joe Biden is to me. I'm going to give you the final way, word, John, and, and, and if you would, close this right, out. Right, right, right. Yeah, the the, the, the point is that the system is bad. Well, I, I just want to say I agree with you completely, brother. You know, it's really the system is bad. This whole system is bad. It's unresponsive to working people and black people specifically, and, and, and we, need, we need to organize and change that, right? As Fannie Lou Hamer said, we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to fight. And that doesn't necessarily mean fighting hand-to-hand, -hand, but fighting through organizing and through being strategic. That's what we got to start thinking about. What are, the, what are, what are our ways out of this, out of this mess? Uh, and that's, that's where we are, right? That's where we are. That's where we are. I tell you, if I didn't have grandchildren, I would be trying to make my way to Cuba um, for real, man. I don't blame people who have left this country, man. But you know, I'm I'm I got a lot of family here, so I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah, Whatever man. happens, happens, and we're just gonna have to Definitely. deal with it. You know. In the in the meantime, John, thanks again, man, for taking time out to join me. I hope this won't be yeah, the last. Yeah, we gotta time. deal with it. You're right. You're right. I hope this won't be the last time you join us and, and the next time we'll have these audio issues worked out. If, if, if Right, right, right. If you invite me back, I'll be there. I most certainly will. 
And John, tell tell people how they can follow your work, man. I know you know you write in different places, but you have a Patreon project going on. If you want to tell them about that, I did link in the program description for those that's listening now or will listen later. If you want to donate to John's Patreon project uh, that he's about to tell you about. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing on Patreon, you know, and I'm I'm using that to leverage finishing a, a book, my third. Uh, on the class war in America, history of the class war in America, which I hope will be finished in the next couple of months. So yeah, Patreon. I'm not sure what the link is. If you put the link up, that, that, that's what it is. That's where you can find my work. I hopefully we'll have a, a new article sometime this week. Okay, John. Well, we're not going to hold you. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll we'll catch up with you another time. Peace and blessings to you and yours. Thank you, brother. Peace and love to you, brother. All right, so that brings us to the conclusion of this broadcast. I apologize for the audio issues. I'll definitely get it cleaned up uh, for the podcast. Uh, John's in Costa Rica, and so, you know, we were having Internet issues. And But glad he was able able to join us. Uh, I want to thank Thomas for calling in and, and sharing his thoughts. I agree with everything he had to say, but I'm done. I'm done with, with the Democratic Party. You know, I, I'm not in, I've never been a Democrat in terms of registering. I've always registered as an unaffiliated voter here in North Carolina where I can then just pick and choose who's primary. I want to uh, vote in. And then, of course, you know, during the general election, uh, you again, you vote for whoever. Um, so I've never been a Democrat, but I'm telling you, man, I may not ever vote for another Democrat again and just vote straight up Green Party uh, ticket if they rig this election and, and steal it from Sanders. And, and I just hope that those people saying that they won't vote for Joe Biden, I hope they hold true to their word because, you know, Trump don't scare me. Black people have survived worse than Trump. And you're not going to keep playing me and rigging stuff and, and denying the working class and poor people of this country and, and their needs that that um need to be met and then think I'm going to vote for you. You're not going to keep running these old school racists who put policies in place which are the which caused all this suffering and then you think you're going to bring in the man who created it to fix it no 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 i'm not that crazy so anyway they must think we we that crazy but um we'll see i don't know what the results are looking like right now with the voting that has gone on today um but i just have a sneaky suspicion i'm not going to be happy all right, so this is uh, the end of this broadcast. Please continue to support the Black Talk Radio Network of uh, the whole platform. Uh, make a tax-deductible donation. Any amount will help us uh, stay on air and stay online. With that said, y'all be safe out there. Peace and blessings to all. Mm-hmm.